After two rounds of health insurance enrollment through federal and state exchanges, most of the technical problems have been resolved, and shoppers now have access to a robust set of insurance choices. But little attention has been paid to how the design of exchange websites may influence the type of plan that consumers choose. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Peter Eubel, a professor of business, public policy, and medicine at Duke University. Dr. Eubel has written a perspective article on behavioral economics and the design of insurance exchange websites. Dr. Eubel, in your article, you argue that the next round of open enrollment should focus on redesigning the way exchanges present the choices of insurance so that they don't bias shoppers' decisions when they're buying. How much thought has already gone into the design of exchange websites? What, for instance, is the logic behind the order in which the plan options are presented? I can't speak for how much thought has gone into it. I think it's mainly been scrambling that has gone into the design of the websites. As you know, the federal government has its own website, healthcare.gov, that's there for any state that has opted to rely on the federal government to design the website. But there are some individual states that have designed their own websites. And some went into more detail and thinking through the design of the website than others. But a lot of them were busy just scrambling to make sure the website worked properly. And we all know when the first rollout came out, that was something that all had accomplished. And so to get to the idea of thinking not just, does this website work? Can it accept the amount of people who sign up on once? Can it handle the traffic? In other words, does it take their social security number and send it to the IRS in enough time and with enough reliability, we know what kind of subsidy they get. All that was so demanding that when it got down to the next level of detail of, well, should we have the prices organized this way or that way? Should we rank the plans from most expensive to least expensive or least expensive to most expensive or some random order? I don't think a whole lot of thought has gone into that. And in a survey, you found that the majority of people who were below the median in mathematical ability consistently preferred gold plans to bronze plans, even when you, in the survey, reversed the features of the plans. Has there been much policy discussion about the fact that those labels may be misleading or confusing? And is there a way around such value-laden labels? Most people haven't discussed whether these labels are the right labels. I think the general idea makes sense, which is rather than show you, say, 18 choices of insurance plans, let's lump them into categories and make it simpler. Like, Are you looking for low monthly premium but potentially out-of-pocket costs? Or are you willing to pay more each month for a premium with lower costs when you need healthcare services? And so they decided to lump these into several categories, and the shorthand became bronze, silver, gold, platinum. And so the lumping makes a ton of sense to make the decision easier, but the naming, not so much sense, because everyone knows gold is better than bronze. And so you want people to just understand that the category refers to out-of-pocket costs and monthly premiums. And you don't want that name of the category to signify anything else. Are there structural problems with the exchanges that may cause consumers to make poor choices? Or does it really come down to just a matter of presentation on the websites? I think that design and structure are very tightly linked. That when someone comes to a website and then starts telling you the website a little bit about themselves, the websites sometimes change what information they present afterwards, and so they have to design that into it. But then ultimately, since you can't see all the information at once, that website has to present you the information in some order with some things with a bigger font than other things, and some things on the left side and some on the right side. And all those little subtle things can influence what choices people make. If you make the price of the monthly premium a little larger in font than some other 
information, people will pay more attention to it. If you put it on the left-hand side of the page rather than the right-hand side of their page, that might play a bigger role in their choice than the opposite order. Is there any research going on, either state or federal, about the influence of the design of these websites on consumer choices? There's a very small amount, but it's not been very extensive. There have been some consulting groups that have tried to do a little bit of research, and then they're there to advise the designers of the exchange. But there's not been a rigorous effort to do this. And so we have a couple options. One is, let's look at the natural variation that's out there and see if it changes choice. And I've talked to investigators around the country who are hoping to do that. And what I mean by that is you might notice that the Idaho site presents information in one order or in one way, and Oregon does it in a different way. And so you can look to see if that design influences choice, then all else equal, you'd expect people in Idaho would be doing one thing and Oregon would be doing something else. It's not a perfect way of studying things, but it certainly starts hinting at what might be going on. And then the other approach, which is what me and my co-authors took, was we ran experiments, but asked people to make imaginary insurance choices. And then we can change things from one person to another in how we design their choice to see if it changes what they do. So for example, in one study, sometimes we gave people information on monthly premiums. That's the normal way information is given to people. Other people, we just put it as weekly premiums. So if the monthly premium was $128, then the weekly premium would be $32, if I did the math correctly. And it's the same information. But on the other hand, the number looks bigger when it's the monthly premium. And we found that when you had the bigger number there, the size of the premium had a bigger influence on choice. I imagine if you presented people with the annual premiums, like here's how much you'd spend per year on this insurance, that that premium would have an even bigger impact on choice. In your article, you recommend allowing consumers who are shopping for plans to estimate their total annual medical costs under various plausible scenarios. So has that been tried anywhere? Not to my knowledge. When people are making health insurance choices, there are several things that they care about. I think one is they care about where they can receive health care, like who's covered in my package. So if I get this insurance, who's going to be in my network? Some of the exchange sites, it's really hard to tell who the network of providers is. Sometimes the name of the plan tells you it's the partner's plan. Oh, the partner's physicians are probably in it and partner's hospitals. But sometimes the names are kind of vague. You have to dig around to figure out if your doctor or your hospital are covered. Second thing people care about is, what am I likely to spend here? And the likely spend for any person is going to be their monthly premium plus the likely out-of-pocket costs, depending on how many doctor's appointments they have, how many medications they have and how expensive they are, and whether they get in the hospital for something. And there you could imagine that if I told you, if I, the person signing up for the insurance, were to say something about how many visits my family went to doctors last year, how often people in my family have been hospitalized, you could get a better estimate that, well, if you chose this plan, our best guess, your total costs for the year are X. If you chose this plan, our best guess is Y. I don't know any exchanges that are doing that right now. I think the third thing people probably care about is, what's the worst case scenario? Because you could tell me what I could expect to pay, but maybe I've been pretty healthy the last few years. And so the plan that's cheap up front and expensive when you get sick will look good by that measure. But what if I get really sick this year? It might be nice to know the worst case scenario, how much each of these plans will cost me. So I think that would be an important thing to do. What's keeping exchanges from doing this? I think the main thing keeping them from doing it is they've been so busy doing everything else. And it really has taken this second round to know that we've ironed out most of the wrinkles 
And that's why I think we're ready for this next, what I call healthcaregov.3.0. I think we're ready for that next improvement in the exchanges to help people get information they can really use to choose insurance plans that fit what they want. Finally, in the meantime, what can be done to help consumers navigate the current system? Some people can get help from financial advisors. Sometimes the same person who will help you with your taxes will help you figure out what insurance plan makes the most choice. There are organizations that help people out. An example might be the AARP, which as a 52-year-old, I'm finding you can join at very early ages. (laughs) And so you can certainly get extra help because it's a confusing but very important decision to make. Thank you, Dr. Yuval.